Ezekiel 22, if you'd turn with me. We'll look at a couple verses. If you find your place, if you would stand with me in honor and reverence of God's word. We thank you for being here this morning. Welcome our visitors. Good to be in God's house. Look at Ezekiel 22. Two verses. Beginning at verse 29. When you find your place, say amen. Amen. Ezekiel 22, verse 29. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to come into this house this morning. We thank you for the preciousness and the truth of your word. God, we praise you for you being our God. Lord, we thank you that you're our God, you're our creator. Your son is our savior, and your spirit bears our burdens. God, we just praise you for who you are. We thank you for being so good to us. And in this moment, even for just a few minutes this morning, we pray that your precious Holy Ghost would deal with us today as he would minister to the hearts of your people. I pray that we would turn towards you and look to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. That verse I just read, verse number 30, says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I'm going to read it again. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I'm going to read it till I get an amen. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before, before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Amen. amen. What's going on here in Ezekiel? And we, we preached through Ezekiel for a while, and, and, and when I came through this book of Ezekiel and, and chapter number 22, I, I, I not missed it, but read this verse and God did not impress my heart with this verse. And then after I'd gotten halfway through Genesis, God brought me back here to Ezekiel. And looking at this verse, we, to, to give you a quick summary of what's going on, Jerusalem had fallen into corruption and Jerusalem had fallen into sin and Jerusalem had turned away from God's truth and God's word and God was looking at this time for someone who would stand and say I'm a child of God I'm a servant of God I'm going to live for God I'm going to live different I'm going to live dedicated to his word I'm going to be uh, I'm going to honor his law I'm going to uh, honor him in prayer I'm going to honor him in study I'm going to honor him in practice God was looking for someone who would stand up and and stand in the the gap and who would fill the gap of those who have gone on those that have passed on and God says he looked and he found none. And when he found no one who would build the hedge and who would stand in the gap and who would live dedicated to him, what you find is the destruction of Jerusalem follows shortly after. 
So I'm here to preach to you this morning what you should do when others won't. What you should do when others won't. We live in a society today that is, uh, it's all, that, that statement right there actually is almost becoming a cliche uh, because uh, how often do we say that? This world we live in, the society we live in, the day we live in, the people in this world. I mean, I'm telling you what, I complain about the people in this world all the time. They're crazy. And, uh, and, and this society that we live in today has turned utterly against God, turned away from the truth of His Word, has looked to its own understanding, has looked to its own uh, ideas, and looked to its own uh, beliefs. And, and we almost, we've become, even as the Scripture says, where uh, creation is, is worship more than the Creator. People care more about uh, things of this earth and cares of this world than they do uh, the things of God. And God is looking in this day for someone who will stand up and stand in the gap of these people, even uh, of the people, the saints of God in this church who have passed on, the people that we know, the old, older folks, the older generations of people who used to be uh, uh, there to stand in that gap and who were the line, they were the front line in the army of God. They were people who were faithful to the word of God. They were people that were faithful to the truth. There were people that would go and they didn't care if they offended you or hair lip the Pope. They would ask you if you've ever been saved. They would ask you if you go to church. They would ask you if you believe. They would tell you about the truth of God's word with humble hearts and tearful eyes. They would look into a lost person's face and tell them what God did for them and how God had redeemed them and how God had blessed them. And today God is looking down upon our nation and he's looking for people today who will build up the hedge and who will stand in the gap. But so often he looks down and there is no one because we've become so complacent and we walk hand in hand with the world and the church is living in sin and, and the devil and his devices are slipping through and grabbing hold of our children and he's perverting and he's corrupting another generation and oftentimes it's too late before we realize that the devil's got a hold of the generation coming up today and that's when we get angry that's when we call to arms that's when we go to war anybody remember I, kind of, I mean, I came a little bit after this, but a lot of people in here remember the Cold War. What was the Cold War against? Communism. Communism. My grandpa, if, you, if he didn't like you, you was a communist. I mean, you, 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 you cheat him out, that's a communist if they ever was one. People up, people up the, the holler that won't take care of their kids, a bunch of communists. People down at the church house doing, doing things that they shouldn't, a communist. It's communism if I've ever seen it. Third grade education, but he knew what communism was. You see, the thing about these ideas and the mindsets, you look back to World War II and you see how the, the, the Nazi party had, had risen up. The Nazi party didn't become into, come into existence in 1939. The Nazi party had been fighting to, uh, uh, had, had been very secretly and, and, and started out secretly entertaining the minds of people. And then it grew to the point where it took a, took a greater hold of society. And it took a greater hold of society. And it grew in society, grew in society, grew in society, grew in society. And, and before you know it, they'd hijacked an entire nation. Communism does the same thing. But I would tell you this morning using those examples of political things, 
is what we think the answer to hatred and the answer to, to uh, uh, ignorant uh, political ideas is more political ideas. We, we see these gaps in our nation, and anybody out there that's watching will tell you that our nation is falling apart, but they think what will fix what's going on in the United States of America is more politics. And I'm here to tell you this morning that we can get a Republican in office in 2024, and we can get somebody else in office in 2025, and we can vote somebody else in office. Uh, well, we, we missed it for the cities this year, but we can vote somebody else in office, and it's not going to fix it. What God is looking for is not a Republican. And I, God certainly ain't looking for a Democrat. <laughs> Amen. What God is looking for is people that will build the hedge and stand in the gap. He's not looking for Donald Trump. He's not looking for, for somebody else to come in and say they're going to do good things. And hey, there's some people that they've done some good things. But God's not looking for politicians to fix what's going on in the United States of America. God is looking for Christian people who will stand up and stand against the things of the world and live as God has told us to do in his Bible and stand in the gap and build the hedge with truth. Doesn't need a politician because you get them in there long enough and they're going to be just as crooked as the guy you got out. I don't care what party they're from. I don't care who, I don't care which side of the news channels they're on. They're crooked. Every one of them. God wants Christian people to stand up. He cares nothing about the politics. He cares nothing about our ideas. He cares nothing about our plans. He cares nothing about our affiliations. What he's looking for is someone who would make up and build up the hedge and stand in the gap. And we look at this front line and we see that there's a lot of gaps amen people fall into the wayside all the time all the time and what the devil has done is subtly moved into the church and corrupted the minds of God's people and then he corrupted the youth and as the youth has grown up the youth is leading the church now and we're in a mess the ideas that have been implanted in young people in the past 20 and 30 years, they're coming to fruition today. They've grown up today. We're reaping what has been sown by weak people 20 and 30 years ago. And what God's looking for, and we can see the gaps. Because we feel, we feel the empty spaces of these people that have passed on. Amen? We feel the empty spaces of these people that have passed on. These little women that would get on their face and pray for your soul. These women that took you in and treated you like grandson, granddaughter. They had no reason to, but because of the love of Christ, they loved you. And they took you in and they fed you and they, they clothed you and they prayed for you and they prayed with you and they cared about your soul. They've passed on. These preachers who would come up and, I like Ricky said this during the revival, just break a pulpit in half. They didn't have no care. They didn't, they didn't care what anybody thought. They didn't have any reservation of what, about what they preached. They preached the word of God. They passed on. The people who day in and day out would spend hours of their own free time and their own efforts to work together for the cause of Christ. The people that, that weren't the preachers and the people that weren't the deacons, but yet they were at the hospital when someone was sick. 
the people that were sensitive enough to the Spirit of God that they knew somebody was going, uh, somebody was going through a hard time and they were sensitive to the Spirit of God and they felt God impress them on their hearts to go hand somebody $100 or to go pay somebody's uh, next payment on their car or try to go help somebody else or, hey, I'm going to buy you a set of tires. I'm going to try to help you out. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to care for your children. Those people, they, they've passed on. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist because it exists in this church. I've seen it. I've felt it. But there are still gaps, and God is looking for who will stand up and stand in those gaps. So I preach to you today, this morning, what you should do when others won't. Because we often are concerned about what others ain't doing. Am I right? First thing that I'll give you this morning, I knew it would be a quiet morning. I had to get my amens early. First thing you should do when others won't is focus on yourself. Because what everybody else is doing is focus on everybody else. What everybody else is doing. And in our society, that's all they talk about. I quit turning on the news. It's foolishness. It's foolishness. Thank you. Praise the Lord. It's foolishness. I don't care which one you turn on. It's foolishness. I turned on British news the other day because I ain't got a clue what... I just needed something in the background. I was like, hey, this is British news. They're talking about some stuffy person arguing with some stuffy person. I, hey, we got out of that 250 years ago. I'm good. It was better off listening to that than going to listen to WOS. Because all that happens is blaming somebody else about something. Well, somebody, they didn't do this. Or they did this. And that's why where we are where we are. You know what? That's happening in the church. Well, somebody did this. Or somebody did that. Or somebody didn't do this. Or if somebody had just done this. We focus on everybody else and focus on, instead of focusing on ourselves. And the gap is standing wide open. Now, I'm a big guy. And we all know that. But if I'm turned sideways looking at somebody else, things can slip through in front of me and behind me. Amen? If I'm looking at somebody else or I'm wandering off here away from my post, where's my army guys in here? What happens if you leave your post? You get in trouble. They didn't have a post. They was, they was in the sky. We've left our post. We've left where God has planted us and where he's told us to be and what he's told us to do. We have walked away from those things. We've got distracted on somebody else of something else, chasing down something else that somebody else is doing, and the devil slipped through the cracks. What you should do when others won't is focus on yourself. Stop focusing on what other people's doing or what other people ain't doing and focus on what you need to be doing. What did God call you to do? What did God tell you to do? So God's, hey, he ain't called me to do nothing. You saved Christian, God called you to be a church member. God called you to be faithful. God's called you to pray. God's called you to be study, be a, study, a studious person. Focusing on yourself means you will have to face what's wrong with yourself. And that's oftentimes why we won't is because I don't want to face what's wrong with Josh. We love pointing a finger at somebody else or something else or some other group, some other denomination, some other church that does something different ways than we do it at Mountain View. We love pointing about that. 
God called me to be the pastor of Mountain View Baptist Church. He didn't call me to be the pastor anywhere else. And he didn't call anybody else to be the pastor here. People come in, they have opinions. That's fine. God calls you to be the pastor here. You come on, you tell everybody. <laughs> people walk in. For, you, I've learned first year pastor, and people walk in the door, and everybody's got an opinion. Hush! Focus on yourself. It's all I can do. Focus on me. Keep me straight. I'm a wicked creature. These people act like I get saved and you ain't going to ever want to be wicked again. It gets so difficult because your flesh, your flesh. I told Sam yesterday, he sent me something about flesh, about sin, subjection to sin. We're bound to this flesh until we die. And the only freedom we have from this flesh is through Jesus Christ. And the only way I keep my freedom, not that we can lose our salvation, you know what I mean, Christian people, you get away from the Lord and you go back to sin. That's what happens when we're flesh. But the only way that we keep ourselves in subjection and keep our flesh to subjection is to lean on Jesus Christ. That means we focus on me. So what I should do when other people won't do it, when other folks won't do it, what I need to do is be looking at me. We say, well, they won't do this, or they won't do that, or they won't turn away from these things, or they, they won't face these things, they won't deal with this stuff. I ain't the Holy Ghost. That's a hard thing to learn as a pastor. You see things that people do, and you're like, man, I wish they would just change this. I wish they'd just do different. I wish I could wring their neck. I wish they would just look. Just listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying. God called me to be the pastor. He didn't call me to be the Holy Ghost. And what I've learned, and it's been said in this pulpit recently, the Holy Ghost does a good job at his job. There's something wrong with somebody. He does a good job. If that's his sheep, he does a good job of dealing with it. And if it ain't, there's a good deal, if they're sitting in a Bible-believing church, that he's dealing with them about being saved. Focus on yourself. Other people won't. What you should do is not worry about what other people's doing. and Focus on you. If I can focus on me, and you can focus on you, the spirit of revival and unity that God has just given us in this past month can continue forward. I told you a few services ago, I didn't, I didn't put an end date on this revival. Brother Sean, I want this revival to keep on rocking and rolling. I want it to keep going. I don't want to hinder it because I'm not willing to look at Josh. You see, people, I saw this in banking so much. It's just positions and names and titles and I'm the executive chief, chief regional executive manager of the water cooler. And I'm excited. And I need to tell everybody. And I'm going to have a sign a mile long on my desk so everybody knows who I am and what I do. None of that matters. Because what happens if you're not careful is you go get a title and you forget to look at yourself. Because when you're looking down at everybody else, you, for, you, you don't realize when you're tipping over and about to fall. You have to focus on you. And if you focus on you, and I focus on me, now, hey, you see me get out of line, and you in the spirit of the Lord come tell me, hey, brother, watch out. You're good. But you got to be focusing on you, and i got to be focusing on me. We want everybody else to change, but we don't want to change ourselves. And God can't do nothing with that. That's country preacher. God can't do nothing. With that, I think that's a double negative. I'm in English class right now. They, they're working hard on me. 
I'm from Leicester. Chad was talking about going to East. I went to Irwin, brother. <laughs> it's bad news. Pig Latin is what we learn over there. But I can't do nothing. God can't do nothing with me. Not because God is limited to what he can do, but because I have limited him to what he can do. Because I won't look at Josh. Focus on yourself. The next thing is pray and stay in the word. There's no Christian more useless than a Christian that don't pray and don't study. So that's the preacher's job. God called everybody to do that. We've all been called to pray and to study God's word. And what the way the devil has snuck into the church is because people don't pray and any spirit that makes itself present in the church, people don't know how to discern it because they ain't praying people. And that's how the, the, the rise of the charismatic stuff going on in the church, the, the tongues and the healing and all that stuff, that's risen because people are not sensitive to the Holy Ghost. The, the prosperity gospel, the Joel Osteens and the Stephen Furtick's of the world, I got a new person to pick on. You watch that guy long enough, you'll find something. Those people, that has risen because they ain't praying people in the church. They ain't studying people in the church that know and understand what, what, uh, what the Spirit of God is and what it feels like and also what demonic spirits are and what demonic influence is. And they don't know their word. Study to show thyself approved. That, wasn't, that was written in a pastoral epistle, but that wasn't written just to a preacher. That's beneficial for anybody. That we pray and we study. I've said this recently. If you go through your week based off of what your preacher gives you every week, you're going to have a sad Christian life. God's given us the ability through His Son, Jesus Christ, that we can pray and we have an audience with the Father at the right hand of the Father, Father is His Son, Jesus Christ, making intercession for us. That in this very moment, as I preach to you, and the saints of God that are in here that are praying for me, as I preach to you, God hears these prayers. And His Son, Jesus, pleads His blood on behalf of you and me at the right hand of the Father. He prays for us. The Holy Ghost prays for us when we can't pray and put it together. And we can pray. You look at people and we hear messages. I've been guilty of this. Shelby broke my heart at one point in time. And I was a sad young preacher with a platform that I did not deserve. And I got up behind the pulpit and I preached a message to Shelby. You, you broke my heart. You watch. I'm going to get up there, and I'm going to preach something right to you. And I learned in that very moment I have no business. I don't know who this is for this morning. I have no business telling you where you're wrong and what you're not doing. I don't know who prays. I don't know who truly studies. I don't know who don't. I have no business up here saying, well, you do this and you do that. Or I can tell you don't do this and don't do that. Now, it's evident sometimes. But I made a huge mistake because I was not praying like I should have. 
And I was not studying like I should have. And I thought God had given me the authority to stand up and tell somebody what they needed to hear. And that, I carried that with me for a long time. And then God blessed me with a wonderful wife. Even after I had disobeyed him. Even after I had done that. Even after I would stood up and disgraced the pulpit. I disgraced his word. But you know what happened, Brother Sam, is when I started praying, I started realizing that I was wrong to think what I had was for somebody else. And so we often sit in church and we think, well, man, I hope. Oh, I see him back there. Preacher's getting them today. Man, I'm so glad they're here. I mean, we go home. Have you ever done that, somebody? We go home with joy. Because the preacher wore them out this morning. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad they was here. Hey, who made you the Holy Ghost? Who made me the Holy Ghost to stand up behind a pulpit, a sacred desk, and out of anger preach the Word of God? What happened when I started praying about the Lord? After I had done that, I preached that message. I started praying, Lord, give me the next message. Lord, give me the word you have for your people. You realize I wasn't pre preaching to people I was mad at the next Sunday. Lord, just give me the word you'd have me to preach to your children. I couldn't get nothing. I got up there, went to a church out in Barnardsville. I preached a dud for about 10 minutes, and I closed my Bible because I knew there wasn't no sense in carrying on wasting these people's time. And I learned God wasn't going to give me nothing until I faced what wrong I had done against him and his daughter. I had wronged him, and I had wronged one of his children because I was angry. You see, when we start praying, we start studying. If you want to stand in the gap and you want to do what other people won't do, many of us are willing to say, well, I'll look at myself. But what happens is when we start praying and studying, we are forced to face ourselves. And before we can move forward, we got to face the sin we got today. And I realized God wasn't going to give me nothing until I got something right. And I had to say, Lord, forgive me. We went on a missions trip. And Shelby and I both apologized to each other. And that's when we, God drew, drew our hearts together. I can take you preaching against charismatics. We were standing in the foyer of a church of God in War, West Virginia. And God brought us together. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that I stood and I used my ability and my position to preach to you. I had no business doing that. And then she proceeded to apologize for an hour and a half because we know that's how, the, all the, how that always goes between a man and a woman. Nobody's married in here. <laughs> it was me begging, please, please take me back. I realized that I, I abused something. What had I done, Sam? I walked away from my post. There was a gap where I had once stood because of my sin. And I had to face it. I had to deal with it. And I had to get back in my position. So pray and study. Be faithful to church. God's looking down and he's looking for people. I sought for the man among them that should, should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. 
God's looking down and he's wanting to see who is serious. He's wanting to see someone who will stand up. He's wanting to see someone who will raise a humbled brow to him and look up to heaven and say, God, I will serve you. I will live for you. And what that means is that we look at ourselves, we pray and we study, and we're faithful to our church. You will never regret being faithful to church. I've made some business deals. I made some business deals recently that I'll regret. I told you about the house. I don't even want to have a cry fest up here. I'm, I, I regret some things, Preston. I've made some financial deals that I regret. I've had some friendships that I regret. I've been some places in the world that I regret. I've been around some people that I regret. I've been with some, with some folks that I, I wouldn't want you to ever know I've been around. I've said some things and I've done some things I don't want anybody to know about. But I have never regretted being faithful to the house of God. Never. Never. You think one day you're going to come to your deathbed and be like, man, I'd have been able to spend a lot more time. I'm trying to find something nobody in here does. So I don't offend anybody. I, I, it's been 20 minutes of offending. So I'll just go with it. Man, I wish I'd have skipped church those 57 times so I could have been in that deer stand every weekend. I wish, I'd have, I wish I'd, have, I'd have skipped all this so I could have been down at the, the, the lake house or the mountain house or the beach house. All this. You'll never get to a point. If you're in a Bible-believing church, you'll never get to a point where you'll regret being in church. And the fruit that will come out of your, your life, your marriage, and your children, you will never come to regret it if you're in a Bible-believing church. You know, some churches I've regretted being at. You've been to, and I'm like... That wasn't church. I'd have been better at Waffle House, and I ain't a big Waffle House fan. But if you're in a Bible-believing church, you will never regret being in church, and you will never regret being around God's people. It will bring you joy. It will bring you excitement. I was talking to somebody recently. They had gotten sick. They had the junk that's going around again. And they said, they were, they were gone for two or three weeks. They said, I told my wife, I missed being in church. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. When I'm not with you people, I miss you. But it's also the fellowship that I feel with God my Father. That's what we're here for is to worship Him. And when I don't get to worship Him, I don't like it. But how easy it is to get out of the habit and to get Ah, well, it's easy to make something else more important. There, there's nothing else you will find that will satisfy you, if you're here for the right reason, that will satisfy you like being in the house of God. Be faithful to church. God's looking for someone who will stand in the gap. He's looking for someone who will say, I'll give up my free time. I will give up my money. I will give up the promotions in my job. I will give up the progression in my life. I will give up all these things that me and my family can be in the house of God. And God will bless you for it. Be faithful to his church. The last thought I have this morning, focus on yourself. Pray and stay in the word. Be faithful to the church of Christ and be a light in the world. Be a light in the world. If we can do those things, other people that have fallen out of line, have fallen out of order here, other people that are not standing in the gap any longer, or people who have never accepted Christ and they've never stood in the gap ever, 
they will look and they will see, oh, Josh is back in the gap. I pray, I, w- I, I wish I could say every time in my life, but I never stepped out of the gap. You know what happened? When God looked and no one stood in the gap, no one built up the hedge around Jerusalem of prayer and subjection, their society fell to pieces. They fell into captivity that lasted hundreds of years. We don't want that to happen to Mountain View. We would all say, Mountain View Baptist Church, visitors, the church of Christ as a whole, we don't want that to happen to God's church. But it requires us to stand in the gap. And if we can do that, look at ourselves, pray and study, be faithful to the church of Christ, then we're a light to the world. And people on the other side, people looking up at this wall that we've made hand in hand of protection, of prayer and faithfulness, people know real Christians and fake Christians. People know it. Lost people know it. They they know the difference. I've said things and done things in front of people, lost people, I've had to go say, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up, please forgive me. And I wish I'd never done that. I've done things, said things, whatever, in front of saved people. I've had to go say, please forgive me. Now, shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have got angry. But it's better that a genuine Christian go ask forgiveness than a fake Christian bring reputation of reproach on Christ's church and think nothing's wrong with it. See, we're all going to mess up. God tarries, and I'm here at Mountain View long enough. Every one of you in here, I'm probably going to have to come to you at some point and say, hey, I'm sorry. You pray for me. Pray for me that I, I can be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, that when I make a mistake, that I know to go fix something. There's a number I've already had to say, hey, I messed up, I'm sorry. I'm transparent about it. There ain't no reason to hide it. I'm sorry. But better to be somebody that asks for forgiveness than someone that doesn't even realize they did wrong. Because we're either so far and backslidden from God or they're just a religious Christian saying that they know Jesus and they don't even know him. I'm not here to be perfect. I'm here to set an example of leadership. I hope people can see something in me by the way that I live my family that is a light of Jesus Christ. But I ain't perfect. And when I can focus on me, we can hold each other accountable that we live under subjection of God's word. But if I focus on me, I'm not going to demand anything of you that I won't try to do myself. And if you can live in the subjection of yourself and you can look to yourself and you live under the, the, the leading hand of Jesus Christ, You're not going to demand anything of me that you're not going to do yourself. And if we can do that, we can be a light in the world. And people can see Mountain People already come to Mountain View. My family, and I thank you, Mountain View. Thank you. My family that has visited here, they walk out like, wow. That Mountain View, that's a, those people are so nice. I'm like, well, let let me tell you. It's been a year, and they're still nice to me. Sean Mintz is still nice to me a year later. He brought me in here as part of the pastor search committee, 
And I've yet to drive him crazy that he's told me about. I love you, brother. Thank you. I mean, thank the Lord. Thank you for being nice. Thank you for being kind. People see that. It's infectious. People come around here and they don't want to leave. Brother Josh, what would you say the first time I came here? We'll love you so many ways you're bound to like one. I mean, that's true. We've got we've to hold on to that. But what I'm challenging you with this morning is there's some gaps that people are going to have to stand in. We've got to love in church. God's Holy Ghost is welcome in our church. He deals with people in this church. I've had people hand me money. I've had people ask me if they can do something. I've had people stay late and help me when I need something. I've had people take me out to lunch. I've had fellowship with people and tears and rejoicing come about. I've had fellowship with you and I love you. But church, there's still some gaps. We saw with Brother Frank, Sister Yulan, how quickly a gap can be opened up. And you feel, we see these saints of God pass on. We, we hear the stories of the generations before that used to care like we can't even believe today. There's a gap. And I believe this morning God's given us the path to standing in that gap. But we have to choose to stand in the gap. 